Hi, welcome back. This is Barcy, your host. And as this airs, it is the last week of October, which happens to be Emotional Wellness Month. And I did a cool episode with the Hack My Business podcast where the host, Jesse Torres, and another guest, Beth Bloom, and I discussed our definitions and processes for wellness, particularly in relationship to being entrepreneurs. But this is still very applicable to you if you are looking to create a relationship with your wellness on a daily basis that also has to work with other elements in your life. And I avoid using the word balance here, like finding balance in your life because, uh, well, I talk about it in this episode, so you'll learn why once you listen. So I hope you enjoy this featured episode of Hack My Business called Discover Your Wellness Strategy. You know, I think also common misperceptions. I mean, you covered a lot, but I'd mentioned this before, just this idea that wellness looks a certain way. I think it is just as, you know, kind of Barcy gave that list of things like wellness could be whatever it means to you. I mean, that feels like a grand statement, but if something makes you feel better or feel more whole or more balanced, feel free to lean into that. It doesn't have to be jogging a certain amount every day or keeping a certain number of calories. It could be getting up in the morning and, you know, opening the window before you turn on your phone. It's no secret that the coronavirus is affecting all of us as individuals, but the effect it's having on business, especially small business, is unprecedented. If we're going to survive this, we need resources and we need each other. We can't do it alone. I'm Jesse Torres, and this is Hack My Business. With my background in economic and workforce development, disaster preparedness, and general business strategy, I know I can help you navigate this scary time in your business and beyond. It's all about resiliency. We'll have invited experts to help us navigate through the current noisy landscape of resources and programs that are being made available today and who will be able to prepare us for tomorrow. Let's do this together. I'm Jesse Torres, and this is Hack My Business. Hi, and welcome back to Hack My Business. This is Jesse Torres, creator and host of Hack My Business, back with all of you once again to talk about everything happening in the world of entrepreneurship. Today, I'm joined by two special guests, one of whom has been on the show before and is actually the master of running things behind the scenes, Marcy, Christina Barcy, my producer of Hack My Business. And then I'm also joined by my friend, Beth Bloom, who is actually serving as the editorial director of Small Business Front, which is a corporation I started late last year to focus on helping small micro entrepreneurs navigate through the world of a small business. And I have them both on the show today to talk about something that is really important to entrepreneurs around the world, which is the idea of wellness. You know, the recent study from the National Institute of Mental Health that said nearly half of all entrepreneurs struggle with mental health issues, you know, compared to 32% of the general population. You know, this includes a combination of intensity, risk exposure, criticism, setbacks, and how that all leads to long hours at work sleep deprivation and lack of time to attend to one's physical and emotional needs. So I brought them both on the show today because they are my go-tos around mental wellness and mental health and physical health and I always get such great advice from them. And I thought it would just be an opportunity to have just a really nice open discussion about what wellness really means. You know, what are the, some of the strategies we can explore around work-life balance? And they're just both amazing people. So I'm going to go ahead and bring them onto the show. Welcome, Beth. Welcome, Barcy, to Hack My Business. Hi. Thanks. Good to be here. Glad to be here. It's so great. It's so good to have both of you on. I mean, we do so much work behind the scenes around Hack My Business, a small business front to have all of us in one virtual room, which is really amazing. But thank you for your time. 
Yes. You know, my first opening question for all of us to talk about is the definition of wellness. Because I think everybody, when they hear that word wellness, it means different things to them. And so I'm really curious, you know, how each of you, how you define wellness for yourself. And maybe, Barcy, do you want to take the lead on this? Ah, oh, such a good question. I was just writing about creative wellness this morning for a community that I'm creating. And I talk about that a lot because we're in a process and entrepreneurship is very similar to that. We're in a process that we have to engage with on a daily basis and we have to check its wellness on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's hard to separate the two. We're all in a process of some sort as a human being, whether that's in a relationship or just our daily relationship with ourselves or whatever that process is. To me, it makes more sense when I can reflect wellness through that lens. Mm -hmm. So it's how are things going? Like where are the red flags for that? Am I not feeling good today? What's that about? Am I dehydrated? That's a part of wellness. Am I emotionally fatigued? Am I energetically fatigued? Am I burnt out on what I'm doing? Is there a big shift required? So I tend to look through wellness through the lens of whatever I'm creating and engaging in. Interesting. Beth, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think an element for me as well is this idea of individuality. Like Hmm. there's been this idea of wellness over the past few years. It might be yoga pants and a dream catcher. And that might work for some. But I think that individual, like checking in with yourself and what you need in any given moment in order to make sure that you're as near to your optimal level as possible is really what wellness is. And for some, that can be meditation. It can be, as Barcy said, hydration. For some, it's nature or dancing, music, lots of different definitions of wellness. I think it's individual. That's so interesting. I mean, because what I'm not quite hearing, and this actually kind of resonates with me, is that it doesn't necessarily equate to happiness, right? Like when I think of wellness, what I, my mind goes to is this feeling of like I'm comfortable in my skin and that that is like both a physical feeling and also like a mental feeling where I'm not necessarily say at my peak performance or like in a state of like ecstasy, you know, but that I am at a feeling of comfort and, you know, essentially ease like I'm at ease with like how life is going do you guys feel the same way like that there's a difference between wellness versus happiness you know are they two separate things or do you need to have one in order to have the other good question Beth do you want to start yeah I think that they are intertwined I think that from my perspective I think you do need to have wellness in order to initiate happiness yeah I don't know Barcy do you want to- <laughs> <laughs> yeah complicated question right for me I think happiness is one of the most complicated subjects and I actually think happiness is a component of wellness mm. I think it might be the other way around where it's tied to our authentic selves and the question becomes how do we fulfill that how do we find that and identify that and then how do we begin to fulfill that it all becomes a component of each other like wellness and happiness are not synonymous they're not the same thing they all work together like you said that they're intertwined so really like the pursuit of happiness Mm. what does that mean right versus you know how do we maintain our ability to function well which is wellness right so I think that's why I look through wellness from the point of like, well, how are things functioning for me right now? Mm -hmm. And I look at that through how I feel. Happiness is a feeling as well, but I think it's closer related to feeling authentic. Oh, interesting. I think wellness can lead to happiness too, in that if you are prioritizing 
yourself or tuning into those needs and meeting them in a certain way, there's some pride that comes from that too, that you've accomplished a thing that you're aiming for. Mm -hmm. And for some, I think that sense of accomplishment can bring happiness as well. There's the other side of the coin, which would be the, I'm not doing it right, which could lead to some unhappiness. But I think tracking those moments of paying attention to yourself and tuning in and meeting the needs that you have are definitely happiness drivers. Yeah, I think for me, it's such an interesting topic, right? And it is, for me, it is this idea that I don't think it is as intertwined, right? Because I think that the part that people struggle with when you start talking about like mental health, I think this is like improper idea that mental health means you need to be happy every single moment of your life, right? Like, I think that often gets confused. And same thing with like wellness, like wellness for me, at least, is this idea of balance and healthy habits. Like it's a much more kind of practical thing. And I think, at least for me, when I think about it, it is the ability to take on stress that I can take it on in a healthy kind of way. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm at essentially like the peak of my ability or the peak of my performance or the peak of my happiness, but it's the ability to maneuver through my life at the current time in an effective way that isn't unhealthy. And, you know, it kind of ties into my next question, which is how do you know when things are off balance? Right. And I could just speak from my experience. Like I know when I'm entering a state of unwellness, when I'm feeling this physical drain, like it's just like this continual stress where it's almost like I feel like I'm kind of in a pit and I stop and evaluate like what is going on right now. Like, and often what I found is like a combination of things, like I'm not working out, I'm not eating healthy. In addition to all that, I have really stressful kind of things happening all at the same time. That's just kind of combining efforts. But, you know, how do you guys know when you're not in a state of wellness, when things are off balance? Yeah, for me, I mean, you mentioned sort of the energetic low. For me, it's Mm -hmm. more of an emotional sensitivity. I think I recognize Mm -hmm. that I'm quicker to possibly be upset by something. Emotions might be a little bit more heightened, kind of more of an extreme. So something that shouldn't really make me that angry does rile me up or something that, you know, the greeting card commercial on television, whatever, does make me cry. There is a little bit of a physical deficit too that I'd feel. Maybe I feel a little bit climbing the stairs, feels a little bit more effortful. But a lot of it for me is more of the emotional and even kind of physical, like I might be quicker to jump, like if I hear a loud noise or something like that. I want to hear from Barcy, but I'm also curious, Jesse, if you have, do you have a regular process of checking in on that or do you realize it kind of once it's hit an extreme? I mean, yeah, just to answer that before, you know, definitely getting Barcy in here, I don't have a process where I'm checking on it regularly, but I get cues. You know, what you just said really means a lot to me because like my indicator of things aren't quite right is it is harder to do certain physical things. And also that I, I'm reacting more negatively quicker to common stuff, you know, like the kids. One of my kids will say something and I snap back at them, right? Or I try to go for a run and I just feel like really sluggish getting off the ground. And then that's when I realize like, oh, I am in a state of something's not quite right here and I need to pay attention to it. I need to figure out like what essentially is driving that. But Barcy, I mean, how do you know Barcy when things are off balance? Yeah, I think you're both touching on something that to me is maybe the most important part, which is having the awareness. And Beth, you've brought this up a couple times already. And that is the process. You do have one, Jesse. It's just a matter of being in tune enough to know when things feel off and allowing awareness to be present. I do think that's the process. And then we all have our own indicators. I love what you shared, Beth, about the feelings like 
how things start to feel more sensitive. To me, that's an indicator as well. And sometimes, Jesse, it's more like what you shared where it's physically energetic, like doing things are harder physically, or it can be so many different things. But you also touched upon like tools that you use to help in your answer to your first question, Beth. And I think that is like the solution part. It's, you know, okay, how do we stay aware and knowing that our personal indicators are going to be different than someone else's. And, you know, mine are interesting because I suffered two concussions in 2019 and I still have that going on for me. So my energetic check-in can be a little different because I tend to have an impact every day that's a little different. That isn't necessarily an indicator of me having a lack of wellness because this is now just part of my daily experience. It's more about, okay, what tool do I need to pull out today? Do I need to limit certain things or put boundaries around these things because I'm feeling, you know, X? Or do I need to take more breaks today? Do I need to end sooner? Do I need to delegate more? And that changes from day to day. That's the lens I have to look through on a daily basis. So it change it skews the natural idea of what my wellness status quo might be. So that's something to know too. Anyone who might be experiencing something extra going on for them, maybe it's migraines, maybe it's an illness, maybe it's, you know, an invisible illness like mine that adds another dynamic to checking in. So I just think the check-in process is the most important. And then knowing what tools work for you in each instance, they can vary and they can change. Not every tool is applicable every time. So it's really understanding ourselves enough to figure that out. Yeah, kind of piggybacking on that too. I think having those check-in tools is vital because I'm reminded one form of recognizing I'm off balance or when I'm off balance, I'm so singularly focused. There might be a problem or an issue and it's just kind of tunnel vision on that. And how do you recognize that you're in a tunnel? (laughs) And so having that check-in process really does help because I think for a lot of us, that off balance is more likely than not, you know, happens more likely than not. So once it becomes just kind of your status quo, it's really important to imply that tool of awareness to recognize that this is just an option for the moment and that there are other options. Yeah. I'm really liking this conversation because it's a relief to hear that other people have the same issues that I have, Beth. You know, I call it uh, not tunnel vision, but ruminating. Like I tend to ruminate and belabor something again and again. And I know that is also another indicator for myself like, oh, like there's something off here where I'm spending too much time overthinking this particular situation or trying to find nuance where nuance isn't there. And so it's a kind of a relief to hear that I'm not the only person that thinks about that. I'm laughing because that is my MO. That's oh, really? like my default brain mechanism where I'm like, okay, <laughs> the rumination, it's nonstop. So having to step away, like literally I would probably just need to go on like vacations every weekend yeah. <laughs> to try to get that to stop or to ease up. So it is good to hear that other people think this way because it feels a little OCD sometimes. Yeah. You know, I definitely want to talk about, you know, we're already starting to lean towards the idea around strategies and tools about how to address it. But, you know, what I thought we could do before we go into that is talk about, you know, what are some misconceptions about wellness? Because, you know, what is so interesting to me is how wellness and entrepreneurship isn't brought up a whole lot. I've seen the occasional article, you know, covering it, but I haven't really seen just a really kind of great study around this, which is so interesting to me because entrepreneurship is such a stressful activity to take on, right? That you think there'd be more guidance around that. But I thought it'd be really helpful to talk about 
you know, why it is important to think about wellness and how it isn't necessarily what you think it is. Like for me, you know, the idea that you shouldn't have a focus around wellness is just really wrong, you know? And I think it's really misguided for people to be pushing to other entrepreneurs, this idea that you need to be constantly grinding, that constantly grinding is the way to go to succeed in having a small business. Because I really don't think that's true. And in fact, I think that that is a detriment to your business because you end up overstressing, ruminating on things that, you know, you don't need to ruminate about. And if you yourself are causing yourself essentially physical harm, then you're giving your business the one thing that it really needs, you know, most, which is effective leadership. But what do you guys think as far as, you know, I guess the misconception about wellness, what wellness is, and its relationship to entrepreneurship? I'm just really curious what you guys think. I was on an airplane, probably on a business trip, and I was reading Success Magazine, and I found a very interesting article. No one's written this in my experience so far. It was the first time reading something where they were talking about the myth around balance. Hmm. And you know, it's an entrepreneurship-style magazine, and I wish I remember the author of the article, but I believe she was a business coach, and she was talking about the myth around balance. That's not the thing you're trying to achieve you're always going to have to check in and there's always going to be a deficit in one area or another. It's never going to be a perfect circle, if you will, like a perfect 100% working off of this 100% circle of balance that rather we should be achieving just the things that we want more of. Is it more time with our family? Is it more space? Is it a little more success? Hmm. Is it you know, not ruminating, you know, things like that? To me, it's like, yes, you're right. We're not talking about it enough because that's systematic kind of work hard, you know, grind hard, work hard, play hard. All of that is a little antiquated now. And I I am hearing more conversations about it, which is really great, but we need to keep talking about it because you're right. There aren't enough studies yet. There aren't enough official places where we can point to and go, look, there's data to support that there is more income when we allow space for rest or look, the numbers are showing us that you know, there are things like that out there, but it still seems like a new conversation. Mm-hmm. And I do believe what you're saying, Jesse, about it is true. Well, here's some brain science to go with it. This is the reason why what you're saying is true is because when we are in a state of scarcity or in this grind mode or which is what grind mode is, right? We don't think it's enough. So we need to like push, 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 right? Mm-hmm. To make something happen, to force something into existence, or we can't let go all of that is coming from this like amygdala part of our brain, you know, our earliest brain or lizard brain, it's closely related to that part of the brain, which stimulates, you know, fear. When that part of your brain is stimulated, it releases a bunch of cortisol, which literally floods the brain and stops the rest of the brain, the logic brain, the cognitive brain, the emotional brain to stop working. So all you're working off of now is this fear part. And that's the like, oh my God, I don't know if this is going to work. And then imposter syndrome creeps in and Mm. all of these lovely things connected to fear because the rest of your brain is chemically hindered when we allow ourselves to kind of live in that energy. So it is really important to find room for even activities. There's active rest. Creativity is a version of that. Gameplay is a version of that. So there's all these other ways that you can still be in action if action is important to your business, to still stimulate innovation and creativity and rest. So it's really interesting when we start digging into it that way, because we don't need to like lay down and rest on a beach for three, four days Mm -hmm. a week. It's just finding different tools, coming back to tools to activate the brain in a way that will create more success in our lives and business. 
I think that's so interesting. It reminds me of, you know, they say like, if you deprive yourself of sleep, the idea that you'll make up for it on the weekend, right? By sleeping longer isn't true because you're causing such harm to yourself that the 10 hours you think you'll get on the Saturday isn't going to make up for it. And so even like, I think the word balance for me is really misleading because it it implies that, okay, if you work 12 hours, as long as you get some other 12 hours of non-work, then you'll be okay. And I don't think that's true. I think there's this growing realization that in those 12 hours of the work or the stress you're experiencing, or even if it's something shorter, if you have an intense entrepreneurship life where even if you're only working five hours, say in the day, but that work is so intense that to make up for that or to, you know, make sure that that is counterbalanced requires much more than just an equivalent of five hours of non-work, you know? And so I think, you know, just like to your point, that sometimes it isn't necessarily like three days of being on a beach that's going to help you out. It is the incorporation of other activities that help, you know, either reduce the chemicals that are swarming through your brain at that moment, or, you know, that puts yourself into a different physical or mental kind of state that needs to be incorporated almost at the same time. But Beth, what do you think about all that as far as like, you know, the misconception or where people kind of get it wrong when it comes to conceiving of wellness? Yeah, I love this question. And I just think that for your audience, it's a great one because I would venture to guess that a number of people have decided to become entrepreneurs because they didn't like to be, you know, subject to the harsh schedule of someone else or the demands of the other. And why should you then translate that into your own work situation? I mean, you're the boss, you're Mm. in charge, you get to build your work life the way that you want it to. So I think that's an important reminder that we shouldn't just translate the sort of common actions of the, we'll say, corporate world, for example, onto your entrepreneurship. You know, I think also common misperceptions. I mean, you covered a lot, but I'd mentioned this before, just this idea that wellness looks a certain way. I think it Mm. is just as, you know, kind of Barcy gave that list of things like wellness could be whatever it means to you. I mean, that feels like a grand statement, but if something makes you feel better or feel more whole or more balanced, feel free to lean into that. It doesn't have to be jogging a certain amount every day or keeping a certain number of calories. It could be getting up in the morning and, you know, opening the window before you turn on your phone. So I think that the misconception of kind of that wellness needs to look a certain way. And often that way, is what someone else is doing and whatever it is you're not doing. So I think that helps to generate kind of a negative anxiety over over trying to achieve wellness because it's something that other people do and not what I do. I also think kind of another common misperception is this idea of all or nothing. Like, of course, getting a massage feels good or taking a break from work and going on vacation feels good. And I think, you know, for me, I tend to be a little all or nothing in my thinking. And it's like, well, I can't just live my life on vacation. I'm going to have to make money somehow, or I can't afford to get massages or body work, you know, X number of times, but it's really not all or nothing. It's what you can do. I think Barcy mentioned, it's just that kind of incremental, like try this a little more, try this a little harder. Mm -hmm. See if it works. If it doesn't work for you, move on. I think there's this fear of like, well, either I am a business owner or I'm a wellness expert. It's not that. It's a little bit of both. 
Yeah, it's not this zero-sum game. I lean much more now towards this idea around not necessarily balance, but integration, right? And I think what's fascinating during the pandemic is where you saw people who had to incorporate home life, right, or being at home with their work, and they realized like, oh, there's a value in being a place where I typically rest and doing work activities at the same time. And I was always really fascinated by the people who really figured it out and went to the next level and said, you know what, I can actually travel around the world right now and do work just as effectively and combine those worlds together and it's okay like that actually helps me be more effective at work so some people really kind of figured out the integration piece which is really interesting that i think it would be fascinating to see some kind of study of like how much improves their life by doing that kind of combination but you know i did want to talk you know a bit about you know what are some of the strategies i mean one of the key reasons why i have you both on the show today is that you're both people that i really respect and and admire because you're both entrepreneurs. And what I see is like, you really take time to really, you know, be thoughtful around work life, you know, taking time for yourself and really kind of making sure that you're taking care of yourselves, both mentally and physically. And so definitely want to talk about some of those strategies that you have found most effective. And maybe Beth, you know, if you want to take the lead on this, but what have you found to be really helpful for you when it comes to wellness? Yeah, I think for me, definitely space is something that I'm always striving for. That could Mm. be physical space, like having a view or an expanse visually where I can look out and I don't feel like I'm closed in with stuff or by stuff. And then kind of space in my schedule, knowing that I don't have to be booked appointment to appointment, meeting to meeting, obligation to obligation, and then space away. Like I have been, you know, pretty intentional since I've had a meditation practice for several years, which may or may not work for people. But early on in my practice, I, well, I sort of eased my way into retreats, meditation retreats by doing, you know, just kind of a half day retreat in the hills somewhere. And once I realized, okay, this half day was nurturing to me, let's try a full day. And then after the full day went for a couple days, And I'm now in a place where I do take, if I can, a multi-day silent retreat four times per year. And that could Hmm. be two days, three days. It could be, I mean, the longest I think I've done was eight days. And I know, you know, for some that might sound like, oh, I could never, one, carve out the time or two, you know, survive being in my head for that long. And, you know, that might be true for some, but I would say, you know, for me, it was baby steps to get there. And it was really tuning into, am I finding this useful and restorative and regenerative? Or is it causing me stress? And, you know, more times than not, it's awkward and stressful at the start. And then once you kind of get Mm. into it, there's this like, really like just bathing in that space and, you know, finding myself more energized, more productive on the other side of it. And I'm happy to talk more about just kind of being able to get there. But I would say I'm still going to call it a benefit of the pandemic situation that we'd been in for the past couple of years is the idea of being able to do some of these things from your home where, you know, if you have children or you have obligations that don't allow you to go away for multiple days at a time, you can kind of balance it in your own space. I would still add for getting away when you can. And I look forward to being able to do that when it feels right to me. But that's something that I've committed to myself to spend those few days really unplugged as much as possible a few times a year. How about you, Barcy? What are some of your strategies? 
First, I just want to say that's so cool, Beth, that you're able to find these practices throughout the year in a way that you're thinking big picture, like the whole year you're like, okay, like these are the things that really work for me. I can look forward to them. I can plan for them. That's pretty cool. It's almost like pillars that you're setting up for yourself as support. I love that idea. I haven't quite made it to a retreat quite yet, but it's something I'd love to try. First, I also want to say I'm not a neuroscientist. So anything I said earlier, (laughs) if I misspoke, I just want to point out that I'm not a neuroscientist yet, but that is is a fascinating part of these types of conversations. And I can't help but bring those points up. So for me, I think I want to stress your tools are personal. They're going to be for you. So going back to checking in with yourself and forming that relationship first is super important. Paying attention to your feelings is definitely step one. If you're used to feeling not good, It's hard to even remember what good feels like when you're feeling not good, maybe on a daily basis. So that is something to know as well. And then asking yourself, was there ever a time that this felt different? I can get lost in the pain of my situation with a head injury sometimes. And I forget what it used to feel like. And I forget to take breaks or I forget to use my tools or, you know, so that's something I really want to point out. For me, I have about seven different tools that I'll implicate based on what I think I'm assessing or needing in that moment. Creativity is always a good one for me because that is a basis of how I tend to communicate and operate. It's a big part of my health and my wellness and my ability to feel like myself. And I do tend to create wellness practices that I need for my creative community. So I guess you could call that active rest because it's something I'm doing that I need as well. And I'm hoping and assuming that other people will be served by it too. So it might be focusing on positive self-talk for a period of time. I did a challenge like that recently for my community or gratitude. I always love leaning back into gratitude. That's a wonderful simplicity that you can kind of reconnect with yourself through and ground nature. Nature is very rebalancing. Mm-hmm. Taking a walk in a place that feels like there's trees and different nature smells, even for an hour or 30 minutes can really change and shift the way I feel. Meditation, just like you, Beth. I love meditation. I'm also a Reiki practitioner, so I tend to do Reiki meditations for myself, and that can be very shifting yoga or Pilates or something physical. Alone time. So yes, space. I'm huge on space too. I'm always looking for more space or how I can incorporate it. And sometimes it's just being alone. And spatial variation, I realized, is a big part of Mm -hmm. my wellness in feeling inspired or feeling energized. It's almost as if the energy in the space I'm in will dull and I need to physically move into a different space to re-energize either what I'm doing or just myself, whatever it may be. And then community and mentors and having like spaces like this, actually, like being able to talk about things like this with others that are having a similar path, but maybe different and different views and tossing things back and forth and having space to to speak about it, I think is also very important because it starts to normalize our thoughts and feelings and you're not so alone and thinking like you brought up something that I think is really important, Beth, especially with social media, where we go, oh, everyone's doing it right and I'm doing it wrong or Mm -hmm. everyone's figured out this balance thing and I just don't know how to do this. And look at that. I mean, everybody who's doing a life... who's alive is having to kind of think about this on a daily basis. Like, okay, what's working for me today, whether they admit it or not. I do think that that is the human nature of it all. So those are kind of the things I assess if I'm like, all right, Mm. what do I need today? Do I need to sleep a little longer? Do I need to start a little later today? Do I need to get up earlier? And these are the kind of tools I run through 
Do you have like a system of checking in on yourself? Like do you literally take a moment out of your day to really kind of reflect and see where you're at? Or is it, do you rely on your cues, like your physical or your mental cues in order to kind of do that assessment? Yeah. I mean, for all that I've been practicing, I still require a regular (laughs) check-in. I haven't yet gotten Mm. to the point where I'm like, oh, wow, I'm really annoyed right now. What does this mean? I mean, at times I can do that. But yeah, check-in. And, you know, there's actually a couple tools. I sort of went straight to meditation retreats because that feels really useful to me. And I do want to try to, in this conversation, normalize being able to carve out time for yourself as much as possible. But I know that that's not accessible for everyone. But I would say, like, again, going to this audience of entrepreneurs here, I mean, you kind of get to be the boss of yourself. So waking up in the morning and checking in with how you're feeling, what you want, what you want from the day, what feels right, how you might get there. You know, if that's a five minute check in or a longer process for you journaling, I think that those like CEO skills are really applicable to managing your own body and yourself and your wellness and you know live your day or check in for what you need. And I recognize as they say that, 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 you know, can sound selfish. Like many of the listeners are probably parents or have responsibilities for other people, but you know, not putting yourself instead of others, but checking in to yourself to see what you can do in order to serve your children or your spouse or your neighbors or your customers better, I think is super vital. And then also, like I'll say like I employ a team but in a way like if there are people that are doing practices I have a weekly check-in with a friend where we just have a phone call to kind of touch on a few points of how the week has been happiness wise or wellness wise and if I do have a practitioner you know I'd mentioned before certain types of body work I make sure to schedule those because if I don't schedule them and I just wait till like I remember that I need it or I feel like I deserve it that's probably not going to come or it's not going to come as frequently so Mm. if I get those things on the calendar. Now I'm just following my schedule. I'm not really having to make that decision every time. Yeah. Barcy, do you do like a daily check-in on yourself? (laughs) Great tip, by the way, Beth. Just put it on the schedule. I love that. Put it on the schedule. Scheduling things is actually amazing. When I first hired my assistant, she kind of helped me with that where she was like, so when do you want to innovate? I was like, what? Oh, that's brilliant. (laughs) That's great. That's a great idea. She's like, you're a creator. You need time to think and to create. And I was like, oh my God, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And she's like, I can put things on your calendar like that. And I was like, okay. So that's something that it's like, I know this information in my head that that's important, but it never occurred to me to do it in this like day to day kind of like carve out. 30 minutes to X, you know, whatever that might be. So I found that really caring, like a caring question to ask as someone who's coming together to support someone else, because that is ultimately what an assistant does. And that was very cool. But I do think it changes for me. So I'm working on what you're doing, Beth, where I'm trying to schedule things more like, okay, let's put things on the calendar that I know I need on more of a regular basis. But certain periods of my life where things get difficult, I need more check-ins. I need a little more work where it's like, all right, I need to journal at the end of the day, or I need to journal at the beginning of the day, or there's more I need to do. I'm coming out of a period like that right now where I had to apply a new tool to kind of close my day so I don't ruminate forever Mm. and ever and ever. Then there are times where I can be in more of that observational place, that witness mind where you're like, 
okay, interesting. Like I got upset. I wonder why, like, let's ask questions and how do I feel? I mean, I have to check in how I feel every day because it does really change how I work on a daily basis. And then I need to move things around to accommodate that just so I don't feel sick all day. So that's always happening. But then other times it's bigger, impactful things that I'm like, I need to put in a brand new process here so that I can move on from my day or start my day a little more mindfully or whatever it might be. So it changes. And again, it comes back to knowing who you are and yourself and what works for you and being okay with that shifting and changing and letting the process be yours. I want to know about you, Jesse. How yeah. about you? Yeah. I mean, one thing I do that has been really helpful is I do keep a journal. And you know, what's funny about keeping a journal is that keeping a journal, that can become a stressful exercise. You know, like if you overthink about, I need to make sure I journal for 15 minutes to 30 minutes, you know, like especially when you have other things going on in your schedule or things pop up, like your kids suddenly need to get to school earlier or you have an early morning meeting and now your usual time for journaling. Like I know and recognize that even that act can become a stressful thing. So my advice around that is don't make it a stressful thing. Don't put a certain time structure around it. Don't worry that you need to hit certain things to source the content. What I have found that's been really helpful for me is just to make it a thing that I do at some point during the day where I just try to capture where am I at mentally? What is suddenly significant that's happened that I want to talk about? And I, you know, if I write for two minutes, it's great. Sometimes I'll write for 30. It really has been for me a great way to kind of center myself. And just like both of you, you know, the idea of space is really important. What I do is I combine it with exercise, you know, because I know for me, uh, one of the great ways that I relieve my own stress is by working out. I like to run and it's typically what I do when I do my workouts. And the great thing about running is that you're typically alone. You can decide to go off, you know, to parts of the town where there aren't a whole lot of people around. It can be very kind of solitary if you choose it to be, or you can run with a group. But for me, that is a way to kind of hit two things. One, to get my blood pumping and kind of clear out the junk from my body. And also it gives me a chance to just center and often might do my best thinking when I'm taking a walk or doing a run. And so this is, you know, a couple of ways I approach it. And also just try to eat, you know, not garbage all the time, which is what I tend to do. You know, I think nutrition is such a big part of it all. And again, I think nutrition is something you can overthink or do, you know, incorrectly. For me, it's just about, you know, trying to find the right balance, you know, to that word again of, okay, I know I've been eating poorly the past few weeks. I'm going to try to eat something a little bit healthier this time to help me get more level. So there's just a few of my tactics that I use. I know we're coming up on time. You know, this is why I love talking with you guys because you give me such new insights into things like especially the idea around capturing a time in your calendar for innovation or scheduling for it because it becomes a thing that's easily removed from your calendar if you're not really mindful about it. But, you know, in the time we have left, you know, what is one key lesson or suggestion that you can share with our audience relative to wellness, just something that's worked for you, something you'd like to share. And maybe we'll just go around and kind of share that one thing. Barcy, you want to kick us off? <laughs> sure. One thing I wanted to share, because I feel like we talked a lot about a lot of tools and about awareness, but I think surrendering to the circumstances is mm. important and giving permission to let the process be yours. So permission and surrendering, surrendering to what you cannot control, understanding the difference between what you can, which is basically anything that has to do with you. You can't really control anything else. <laughs> And then permission to allow yourself to explore that and to trust yourself that what you're feeling and listening is true and it's worth your attention. And yeah, those are my things to think about. <laughs> awesome. How about you, Beth? Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that. One thing that has recently come into my practice is asking myself, what's good? I grew up in a household 
with loving parents, one of whom was focused on kind of the what's wrong of the situation. So quite often I would be greeted with, what's wrong? And I think that really focused my orientation. I'm actually, you know, part of the work that I do in life is I'm a you know researcher and analyst and kind of trying to problem solve and looking for the thing that's wrong. And I would assume this, you know, kind of entrepreneurial mindset too, is this idea of trying to identify the lack in something and where I, as a entrepreneur, can fix that, can be the solution. So there's a natural orientation toward kind of what's wrong, scanning for the thing to be fixed. And my therapist actually recently started all of our conversations now with what's good. And it's such like a reframe and such a shift to like get me focused on what is actually going right right now what am I doing right what's happening around me that's working and I laugh every time she asks it fills me with so much joy so I don't have any tattoos but I always said if I got one or not always but since this has happened if I got one it would be what's good on my arm (laughs) so I can be reminded to call that in at any given moment I love that. Can I share one extra thing? Because it's sparking something that I so relate to what you just shared about, you know, what's wrong and focusing on the negative. And the big shifting question I tend to ask is what if it were easy? Because I like to make everything really hard. Everything feels difficult. Mm. And it's like, well, what if it were easy? What would that feel like? What does that easy process look like? And then we can get to things from a different energy. So reframes are amazing. I love that you talked about reframes. Mm. That's a great one. Yeah, you know, kind of in the same kind of vein, as far as I guess a suggestion or a parting thought is kind of the reframing or bringing in variety into your life. You know, like even this episode, for example, which is, you know, a little bit different from what we usually talk about. You know, usually we're talking, interviewing a CEO or talking about some new small business program, but, you know, choosing to take a different direction on something or doing something creative, something that is outside, you know, the normal set of activities I have found to be really rewarding and forgot who was this hit up, but you know, the idea of like a active rest, right? A restful kind of task, you know, for me that really resonates because, you know, sometimes a stress reliever can be an activity that is just really unique or different or just kind of exposes you to something that you have never really encountered before. And for me, that has brought excitement, joy, you know, stress relief. And so I just want to encourage folks, you know, to think about that, whether that's a creative outlet or a phone call with a friend when you haven't done it in a long time, but just finding an opportunity to bring some variety into your life. I found that to be really helpful and I think it would be helpful for you. I'm sure I've taken up way too much of your time, but just really want to appreciate both of you and say thank you to both of you for spending time with me to talk about wellness because I think this is a really important topic for entrepreneurs. So just really appreciate your thoughts and insights as always. Thank you, Jesse. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for having this conversation. It's important. So thanks so much. Thanks for your time. Have a good day. If you need help and want to be a part of our community, and find resources to grow your business, join us at our website at smallbusinessfront.com. We'd love to see you there. Have a great day, and we'll catch you next time on Hack My Business.